1: What is up, everybody? Welcome to Lock and Key Unlocked, <laughs> yeah. a podcast all about Netflix's <laughs> Lock and Key, the comic book Lock and Key, and everything else. I am Alex.
2: I'm Justin.
1: I'm Pete. And if you I'm are gay. watching on video, you're yeah. gay. uh If you're watching on video, either on Crowdcast or on YouTube, as you can see, we are with artist extraordinaire and a professional EMT. Gabriel Rodriguez.
2: (laughs) A lot of the Uh, questions here are going to be medical. Uh, I hope you're ready for that.
1: Uh, So a couple of little uh, orders of business before we get into it. If you are watching on Crowdcast, uh, there's an ask a question button on the bottom. You can actually drop your questions there. We'll try to get to some of those later on in the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, we'll read through the comments as we go. It's just tricky because it's another window. If you're listening to the audio podcast, Don't even worry about it. None of this matters to you whatsoever. (laughs) You can whisper a question into your pillow, (laughs) and that's
3: it. And you're like Uh, quietly.
1: The other thing that I will mention is this is going to be a full spoiler chat about Lock and Key. Uh, We are going to talk about the whole season. Yeah, we're just going to spoil everything. Uh, Hopefully, nobody actually watched the season. They're just coming, and we're going to spoil everything for them. No, of course not. We had you on. I want to say a. It was a couple of weeks before the show debuted, Gabriel. Uh, yeah. And obviously, of course, you were very hesitant to talk about things then. Smart. Yeah. Well
2: played. Yeah. Well played. Got to get um, it. Yeah, cool. yeah.
1: Let's start off with an easy one. Let's start off with a simple one. Uh, what on your end has this experience been like now that you've gone through the premiere, the launch, it's a month plus change afterwards? Yeah. How'd that all go for you? What was what was that like?
3: Uh it go it went incredibly well it was uh, when right before the the view of the show i think when i talked to you the first time i hadn't seen the entire season yet yes i, I think that's right yeah and even though i knew certain things that were going to happen in the very ending i wasn't sure how the, like the chapters 6 7 and 8 were going to be and uh, then after I took to you i got to see the the entire season a couple of days before the release on netflix like 5 or 6 days before right when they finished the final visual effects so i got the chance to see the entire thing again with my family with my kid and when I saw the reaction of other people that wasn't that familiar with the story and, and the way in which the entire season flow and everything, I was like very happy with it. I, I knew what the showrunners of the crew wanted to do with the series. And when I saw the final result, I realized that they actually achieved what their goal was with this adaptation. So I was very happy because of that. And I was very confident that it was uh, going to be a very solid vision of this story. I was very aware that it was going to be very different from the comic, and, mm. which is something that I appreciate. I think there's no point to tell the same story twice in different medium mm-hmm. if you're going to try something, a, a creative challenge with something like that in an adaptation. For me, the, part of the point of it is, is to do it differently in order to have the chance to reach a different audience and and to explore the story in different ways. Also, as you have tools that you don't have in comics as a storytelling medium to drive the story in a different way. So I was very happy and I was very excited. And I got really surprised by the tremendous amount of support that the series got. Yeah, it, huge. Like It ran. Really well in the Netflix uh, platform in which we started having this uh, ranking in each country. Yeah,
0: it was it's in like, the ranking for a while. It was great.
3: So, yeah, uh, I was confident that the series was going to do good, but I think it did like even better than we ever expected it to be. So, yeah. I, I was re- really happy and excited.
1: Yeah. I know you were posting a lot of these, uh, pictures on social and things, but Netflix obviously is a global company and the fact that they built like giant head key mazes in yeah. malls everywhere and everything. Yes. Yeah. What's yeah. it like when you see something like that? That somebody, you know, the TV show is one thing. Uh, clearly they're building, you know, a key house and building out Matheson in this case instead of Lovecraft, but you're seeing all these visions in your head, but there, there's got to be a different level when you're like, Oh, there's this enormous, <laughs> Head to like, in the middle of the ball. Yeah. What's that no like? it,
3: It's insane because when you started, like, getting pictures of all the promotional stuff that Netflix was doing throughout the world... I got to see uh, pictures of the stuff that they made a, uh, an installation in, in in Spain and also in Brazil and also in Argentina and here in Chile in a couple of places. Wow, and so you cool. started like, seeing the billboards everywhere. Uh, even here in Santiago, we had a couple of billboards in the streets ah. promoting the series and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. That's so exciting. In Sao Paulo as well. So it was incredibly impressive. And in a way, it also uh, says a lot about the the... How enthusiastic was Netflix about the series itself? Which is something that the showrunners mentioned us when they were producing the series. As soon as they started like showing the first cuts of the first episodes from the to the people from Netflix, they immediately got like a huge like backup and extra funding for some episodes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So they were allowed to do a lot of things that at the very beginning of the pre-production weren't sure if were they were yeah. able to. And finally, they got clearance to almost everything they wanted to. So it was amazing. And it's very, very surreal to see something like this to grow into a multimedia project of a scale like that with an international worldwide release at the same time. So it's very absurd. With, with my wife, we sometimes <laughs> get to look back at this and, and laugh a lot because it's something that would have been impossible to do about like 15 or 20 years ago
2: now, and dude, now it's, it's, it's since it's come so home this thing. Yeah. yeah since it well <laughs> since it's come home to you are do you ever um do you bump into people who are like hey i saw this billboard is that yeah. you yeah yeah
3: got a lot of messages from uh, 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 people from from back from school that were taking this thing, thing and people that emailed me uh people from the university and and uh, and the family, they, they are, I have a very extended family. I have probably cousins that I haven't ever seen in my life wow. because there are so many. Yeah, uh, but the, yeah, like everyone was really enthusiastic about this, and the the media over here in, in Chile was very interested. in This we got a a couple front page like uh, 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 headlines in in a couple of newspapers here that I oh, remember wow. when Carlton Hughes was uh, promoting the series here in Santiago in, uh, I think it was in mid-May, in mid-January, he was very impressed of the (laughs) coverage that we got in in the newspaper. So it was, like, very, very strange. And then also comments from a couple, like, nephews that say, why is Uncle Gabe uh, showing up on TV so many times?
2: (laughs) They're mad about it. (laughs) They're like, what are you doing on TV, Uncle Gabe? So uh,
0: be honest, did you... (laughs) Did you... Did you come with reasons to keep driving by the billboards and be like, "Oh, oh, there's my billboard again"?
3: <laughs> no, no. Luckily, I was busy enough doing work in order to prevent myself okay. to a self embarrassment <laughs> situation like those. So yeah. I, I got to appreciate my my slavery to the work in a which that uh, saved me from making a, a fool from of myself. Yourself. Exactly
2: from your ego, because yeah. Pete's envisioning <laughs> driving past his billboard somehow <laughs> over <laughs> and over again. <laughs>
3: to respect my paramedic uh, job now, so I, I yeah, have to that's I, true with, my, with,
0: with my, I freaked uh, out when I saw you on screen, man. I absolutely I freaked, freaked out. I freaked out myself
2: as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You now, as a classically trained actor, like oh, yourself, here we go. I'm sure oh, we can talk yeah, about yeah. sort of the trade and really uh, how you yeah, got yeah. into character. I, I,
3: I've heard lots of your hints in several podcasts, previous to that, Thank and you. I think it was, I, I'm from the Justin's Tyler School of Acting. I, I oh,
2: say. So my I, man! I hope I,
3: not having disappointed the, the master uh, too
2: much. So I, I, I <laughs> yeah, that how do you play them? I my been...
3: skills a lot,
2: but uh, it, it, you were perfect. Um, I actually and feel I like I need you. to ask you for some tips on like really being because obviously you weren't—you aren't an EMT, but you really <laughs> were one. On <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I believed it. I believed it. Um, but how how, how was that experience it, like? Can you tell us yeah. about the process where they were like, hey, we important. want to have you do this?
3: Yeah, well, it was incredibly fun because like when they started like shooting, they were thinking a month or so of shooting the series. Uh, we got an email from Carlton Cuse and Meredith Fabriel, the showrunners that were also part of the writing team. And they told us that they wanted to write us as the paramedics as we did in the comic books. So yeah. they asked me if I was available to make the trip to Toronto to shoot the scenes and everything. And of course, oh, I wow. said yes. And from then on, we started coordinating this stuff in a way in which uh, Joe and my schedule could fit in the in the shooting uh, process. And we got in contact with uh, Vincenzo Natali, who, who was going to be the director of that episode as well. So it was... a uh, an entire surreal absurd experience uh, to <laughs> so get funny. over there just just to do the paperwork to be able to legally oh. act in Canada was insane enough because yeah.
1: I, oh, wow. I had to
3: feel a very insane like work visa for a couple of days full yeah. of amazingly fun restrictions because I was allowed <laughs> to do that job and that job only for those dates only but at least I didn't get the masseuse work restraint that Joe got in his work visa when he oh. applied to do it. So I feel in a way they realized immediately what the differences between Joe Hill and myself were when they were preventing <laughs> us to work When you say he masseuse makes most of work. his
2: money. That's how he makes most of his money is as a masseuse. Mm, yeah, right? Right.
3: I, I don't know. I don't know uh, which information <laughs> does the Canadian custom have on Joe, but mm. that's what. It says in his uh, work permit. So I'm just telling the official information.
1: All right. Thank you. Thank you for being honest with us. We appreciate I, it. I know that's
3: a very important insight to, to realize what it was to, to get there. Yeah. And, and once we get there, we did like the entire thing. We had to do the wardrobe testing a couple of days uh, earlier. Oh, wow. And then we got our scripts to mm. uh, rehearse lines because we try to apply this Anthony Hopkins uh, concept that you have to say your line like, 160 times in order yeah. to be able oh, to wow. say it properly, and of course, for me, it was a disaster because of the accent, so I had to do like three <laughs> times. And even yet, uh, Cartoon Hughes has to adapt the line for me because in the original line, I, I should have asked uh, Rufus if he was comfortable, and comfortable is a nightmare,
2: uh, so yeah
3: for someone with a foreign accent.
2: That's so, so funny. So wow.
3: I changed my line to, are you okay there? Which is a much friendlier way to yeah. let me explore my acting skills, folks. On
2: that. <laughs> Look, you just, <laughs>
3: you I, I you just said it again.
2: And that. I believed you again. I, yeah. I am okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank I, you for I, asking. I <laughs> <empty> for <laughs>
3: second again. So, uh, so yeah. And, and the other thing that's incredible to realize in, in the process of the making of a DVD series is that if you saw the episode, you realize that both Joe and myself appear like for about three seconds on screen, yeah. like one second and a half each of us. And in order to record that second and a half, we spent on set like six six and a half hours. Yeah. Not wow. Yeah. We started shooting like at six thirty p.m. and we ended almost at three a.m. in the morning
2: because we had to
3: wait uh, the shooting of the scenes with the kids that needed to be released Mm -hmm. earlier because they have like a limit of the time in which they could stay working. and then you realize how many times you have to say because we had to say our lines like 50 times because uh, we needed to do the dialogue in every interaction with the young actors Mm -hmm. so we saw we, we saved our lines when they say there and they were shoot. So if, for each one of the different cameras using in the shot, you have to do like 10 times. So it was like wow. 80 takes of the scene. Uh, from different <laughs> focus At- on different actor and everything.
1: At what point did you start to feel like a crazy person? At what at what line <laughs> reading of are you okay, Rufus? Well, like, luckily
3: I, my working comics has allowed me to feel like a crazy person. Yes. Like That's ago. the training.
2: That's so method. From that
3: point of view, I was quite adapted. But yeah. it, it's insane to realize how much effort gets just to shoot a few seconds of a TV show and then realize that the actors and the people that do this. Actually, professionally, they have to endure this process in which they shoot like just a couple seconds and cut, just a couple seconds and cut, and just a couple seconds and cut, and then when you see the entire thing put together after the editing, you feel that like they have like an emotional continuity and they get into the character all the time and everything, and 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 to keep that consistency is certainly an amazing uh, display of professional work. It's uh, it's insane. So I'm um, much more like uh, in awe of the people that work in cinema and, and TV after seeing how complex difficult and slow and painstakingly this process is. It's it's amazing.
2: So. But when you say that it may, it reminds me of like drawing a comic. Like you're carrying an emotional thread through <laughs> a series of panels that are disconnected and um, you have yeah. to tell the story in different pieces and different frames that don't match, you know, it's not fluid in the same way. So do you feel I actually think the way you described it, especially right there, it's it's painstakingly similar to what you do for a living. <laughs>
3: Well, there's a, a certain similar vibe that's uh, very real. I, and I think this is something that we discussed in conversations with, with Carlton and Meredith and with Vincenzo and other people from their production. In a way that even though both mediums uh, deal with different tools and have different like storytelling, uh, storytelling uh, um, options and alternatives in, in the way you tell the story the way in which like to have to keep the mood in your mind and in your creative process is very similar like you, you have to be able to get in and out of it in order to keep your like your everyday life is still functioning but you have <laughs> to be able to have, like this emotional memory and this uh in, it, you have to be able to get back into the drama of the moment that you're displaying or creating mm-hmm. in, in the same way so it, it's it's yeah. very interesting to see a similar creative prop process done with completely different tools.
1: Yeah. So what was more difficult then? Was it more difficult to play an EMT on screen or draw yourself as an EMT in the comic book page?
3: <laughs> uh, so Certainly, it was less difficult to draw myself as an EMT because I can disguise my my limitations more easily. I was uh, pretty convinced that after they shot us as EMTs, they were going to like CGI us in an uh, upgraded (laughs) version of ourselves. So I was hoping to be this hot Latino EMT. Uh, Shirt? Sure, uh, sure, you showed kind of it ab- shirtless, like, right? They yeah. Ran out of budget and they had just to leave us like we were. Mm. And I we uh-huh. oh. Practical oh, effects,
1: the yeah. <laughs> they had to edit out your abs. They were like too ab- too much abs, too many <laughs> yeah, abs. Too, is many abs? Yeah. too
2: hot. We can't. He's distracting. Yeah, yeah, this is <laughs> <a>, an emotional
1: <laughs> moment. Yeah. yeah. Now, <laughs> what was your? Uh, uh, I mean, since you were coming to this, and we certainly talked about this a lot on the podcast, that there were so many changes, and particularly at the end, and you know, just twist on twist mm-hmm. on twist. The yeah. biggest one for me at the end that almost intrinsically changes the show going forward, and I am excited to see it on the show, but I'm curious to get your take, is the fact that there's now two demons. There's Dodge yeah. in the guise of yeah. Gabe, but there's also yeah. Eden, who's been hit with a bullet, which felt like that thing that you and Joe held back on until the very end of the comic book, but now here we
3: are at the end of season one. Uh, What's your take on that? My take on that is that uh, Carlton and Meredith and the team had a very strong idea of what they want to do with the show in the way they want to explore the mythology of Lock and Key. And uh, if everything go, uh, sticks to the plan they have for the entire series, I guess uh, you'll figure out that it's going to make a lot of sense for you. I guess they're trying to, explode, to exploit the way in which you can develop a character in a TV show that's completely different than the way you do it in, in a comic book. Mm-hmm. And also based on another decision they made that I think it was pretty smart considering the format in which they were working, in which they... It's insane when you compare, for example, the first run of the comic book with the first season of the TV series. The amount of mythology that they crammed in this first season, is it it sets the stage for a completely different dynamics than the way in which we did it Mm -hmm. in the comic. Because if you recall, in the the first run of the comic, in in our first season of the comic, we introduced like two keys and a half yeah maybe and and that was it we were holding ourselves for later because especially especially in the second arc in which basically we included one extra key which was the head key which was so complex to display in comics the ways in which it worked and how it would affect the story that uh, we needed that room to, to explore that but here they introduced like Ten different keys in in one season, in order to be able to have yeah. more tools to get like more playful with this. Because yeah, one of the Visually. things that's very important to have in mind is that the vision that Carlton and Mary had for this show was to make this uh, almost like a, a family friendly TV show, as as close to a family friendly that you can get from something that was created by Joe and myself. Which is the- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is the best effort anyone can get to, to make one of our stories into a family-friendly thing. So I, I'm very happy with their approach. I understand what they're playing with these dynamics. And also because they wanted to have a a very different way in which to approach the development of the villains of the series because they want the series in that aspect to be able to surprise the people that's familiar with the comic book. So... Yeah. their entire approach to the way in which Dodge presents itself and develops his or her relationship with the characters is completely different than in the comic book. The fact in which that they develop a a way in which to have a a final twist in the last episode in the way in which Dodge has been interacting with the characters is completely different than the comic because in the comic we reveal that to the reader at the very beginning and then we hide that for the rest of the characters of the story throughout the comic. So yeah. we re- uh, 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 rely on creating that tension for the reader because the reader knew the information that the characters didn't have. And in the TV show, yeah. it was more fun to to subvert that approach to the villain in a way to be able to surprise the watchers of yeah. the show. So I guess this, even this thing of having two demons at the end of the season certainly creates a, a surprise dynamic for what's going to be the next season. No one knows how that's going to be lo- developed in the next yeah. seasons of, of Lock and Key. And I think that's what was, in a way, a sort of a very creative gift to give to the people that's familiar for, with the entire Lock and Key story and wants to be as well surprised by the TV show.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pete, were you going to ask
0: a question? Yeah, well, a couple, a couple things. Uh, first off, <laughs> oh, no, um, here it comes. Here it comes. Uh as someone who loved the book so much, I was so stressed about not liking the TV show, but yeah, what I, I really like Yeah. I could go, tell go, that at
3: least each one of your episodes of the podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, I was the entire run of the postcard for me was to figure out what was going to be Pete's reaction throughout. Wow.
2: Each episode. So <laughs> That's me too. I'm also doing this, that.
3: That we, that we made it.
2: He's the canary in the coal yeah. mine uh, for yeah. sure. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: But I got to say though, that like I really appreciated the artistic uh, choices that were made. The, the fact that we had like beautiful shots, yeah. smart things happened early that teased us because the comic was so layered and there was so many like artistic choices being made. Uh the way you guys kind of push boundaries with stuff in the comic, I was really impressed. Uh I was worried that the TV show wouldn't kind of capture that heart and capture the 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 smart kind of like uh stuff that is like we're playing chess this isn't checkers type of thing so yeah. i was really really <laughs> impressed and and to what yeah. you're saying as far as the tension like the comic book did have more tension and the tv show played yeah. with that they gave you tension they took it away everything's fine no yeah. no, no it's not yeah. ah, you know <laughs> And like yeah, you know, I, I enjoyed
3: uh, a lot that the TV show has a like a playful quality that's different from the comic and yeah. gets its own personality to it. So yeah. I, I, I'm very happy about that, and I think that's something that was really a, a great hook for a younger audience for the TV show. Mm-hmm. One of the things that thrilled me the most that watched the entire season is that I watched it with my 15 year old kid, and he was oh, wow. so into it throughout each episode that I was thrilled. So it was great. And, and what, even though that we get the chance to see it, it's still with no subtitles. So we just have to watch it in, in English. Wow. And even though, despite that, he was, like, sucked in by the action and by the storytelling, and especially by that sort of playfulness. Was he like, uh,
1: well, was- that's so much better than those dumb comics, Dad. Hey, hey,
2: hey. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no, he
3: uh, was so into one- like, in the- teenage dynamics of the of the different oh, like yeah. friends in in the show and all that but also oh, like that. very impressed by the way in which uh, the TV show portrayed the magic of the comic uh, he was for example very impressed with the with the solution that they figured out for the head key because basically yeah. like was like in terms of concept the most difficult thing to adapt <laughs> yeah. to a different medium and uh, and I was very impressed by that, but seeing other people that's familiar with the comic figuring out that, okay, this is so different, but it works as well as, as the original source considering the limitations that one media has against the other.
2: Uh, outside of the head key, what's one visual uh, thing they did um, uh, that was different than the comic that really surprised you, caught you off guard, or were like, whew, that's good thinking?
3: I I think... I think in a way, what really caught my attention was how the expanded cast of the TV show felt like part of the Lock and Key mythology in a very natural way. I think all the changes like they did in the new characters that they added or the ones that they mashed up or stuff like that were choices that made a lot... It never felt like out of the world of Lock and Key for me. And that was very refreshing to realize. In a way, it was... It, it's not about which character you portray, but the way in which you display their dynamics, what makes it to be part of the story. And I think it was so well captured and so well done. And, and, and in a way, how... That's what... Uh, when I, I remember when I read like the first couple scripts of the, of the, of the series and I, when I saw the first cut of the first few episodes with Joe, we immediately realized that this, this is such a different take... On the world we created, but it, this is so the world we we created at the same time yeah. that was fascinating. And I think in a way, Key House itself is it's a very good reflection of that because I'm very surprised that people say, This looks so much like Key House of the comic. And if you look at it care- carefully, and I can do that as I'm an architect, yeah it's so different, but yeah, being uh, is so respectful of the spirit of the original design and the way in which it works to create this world that it's perfect. So I'm, I'm not surprised at all that people think that's even more closer to the original than it actually that's is a- because it captures that vibe. And to capture that storytelling vibe, I think, is the secret for this.
0: The the cave was looked like it was pulled straight from the yes. comic. That was unbelievable. The
3: cave was... The cave was amazing and it was really fun to to read people thinking that uh, they used the the location that we used as inspiration uh, to create the the one of the coming. And it was totally not that, but (laughs) it was so, so well chosen that I can see why people got that appeal. But yeah, get to see things like the cave or, or the Omega door itself. Brought yeah. to life almost exactly like it was designed in the comics. Same with the well house, for example. That's done. Oh, that well house place. is creepy. And the keys themselves, it was like it was very weird. It was very weird. <laughs> I remember when I went to the visit on set, in which we get to the to the studios in which they were shooting shooting the interiors of Keyhouse. And when I got to see all the woodworks and, and, and when I get to see the, the small keyhouse logo carved in certain parts of the architecture, that was insane for me. It was like being inside yeah. your drawing brought to life by other people. It's nuts. It's like
2: you using the head key. You walked into your basically, head basically.
3: Yeah. Well, I think Carton said me that. This is like walking into your own head key. And I said, luckily, it's not because this is like the happy part of my head key. <laughs> yeah. You don't get to see the, the dark part because uh, I think in a way, I, I don't know why, but I think Meredith April was the one that decided to call the, the new villain disguise of Dodge as Gabe, which mm. makes a lot of sense for me. Yeah. But I don't know if for anyone else because. Oh, because no. Well, I'm, I'm a Gemini. There's a part of me that. You uh, know, there you go.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you might
3: you might be Dodge. You might have
1: just used the identity key already and uh, changed right. yourself. Uh, oh, don't don't
0: oh, yeah. with the creepy no, eyeball.
1: I'm, ball just saying. I'm just saying. Season
3: three, in season three, you're going to see the the EMT using the identity <laughs> key. Oh, the yeah. oh,
0: oh, the EMT became the oh, I, Don't do it to me. Don't do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I and Of course, we were that.
1: we were talking about this on Twitter. There's going to be the uh, Matheson uh, the EMT spin-off.
2: Has to be a, a go, yeah. yeah. We're yeah, to very into it, start. yeah. When Are you going to have to, to...
3: start like piecing in with the idea? And he got it immediately, and especially by my pitch that this should be the paranormal <laughs> version of Flight of the Concords, and that's oh, the, the huge part. I'm even considering <laughs> doing a, a couple of songs, but I have to see if Joe is up for it, too. I think it's going to be. <laughs> be good.
1: It's amazing. I will definitely tune in. Uh, This is uh, somewhat similar to something we asked you before, but uh, I remember reading an interview with Joe after the Fox pilot where he was talking about the memory tree in there and how he was like, oh man, I wish we had thought of that. That's such a good idea. And obviously there's a form of it that made its way. I don't know if it was the Hulu pilot, but it definitely made its way here into the Netflix series. Is there anything like that? Since you are working on more lock and key coming up, where you watch this Netflix series, you are like, oh man, man, uh, oh, that's something that we really <laughs> gotta like that. steal <laughs> and tweak and do our own spin on.
3: Uh, I'm not sure if I feel it like that, but I think, yeah. uh, in a way, the the way in which the show is different from the comic, it's it's a big relief for me, at least as a co creator of the comic and especially as we want to do more stories in the comic, because I think that we can diverge as much as we can, and no yeah. one's going to hurt the other part. Mm-hmm. People not going to be waiting to to uh, find the same things in these different takes on the story. And I think that that's a great relief. I remember when uh, the, the people were working in the Fox pilot back in 2011, when we were still working in the comic book, I was still a bit worried that if this show aired and it became a success or not, uh, as we were still developing the story, that there were going to be parts in which we could like start like giving problems to each other because people could mm-hmm. be eventually waiting like the same thing in two different medium and by different creators. And that could be complex, so I think it, it's it's very healthy for us all that the Netflix people is working with a story that's finished, and and for us it's uh, it's it's refreshing to see these uh, new takes on on the things that we created and even with a with a new spin. I think uh, somehow. They managed to merge, for example, certain keys into simpler concepts in order to be able to introduce like less keys than we did in the comic in the in the context of the show because they need to like speed up the plot in a way that we didn't in the comic. We we for example we knew from uh, a few I think a couple of years earlier with Joe that we were going to do February the issue of February in yeah. which we were going to introduce a lot of keys in just a single issue of the comics to be able to have, like, all the keys that we needed for the finale of the story. Yeah. And so we have that solved in that way. But for to do something like that in a more interesting way in a TV show, it's obviously, it's obviously better to be, like, dropping keys here and there throughout the de- development of, of the plot, and that's different. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if if we're going to, like take ideas from what I've seen. Uh, I, I probably there's going to be, we're going to have a, a way to find our own spin into this idea of the match stick key or the fire key, which is something that's completely original for the show. And we haven't tried yet. Uh, I have a couple ideas that I could <laughs> deal with this concept in a different way. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's great to see that. And for example, the, the, the memory tree, uh, uh, Key was something that was very interesting to see because in it, it's sort of like they mixed the concept of the Thorn Key with a new way to use it uh, with trees and plants and also using that to, intru- to introduce the memory jars that we introduced in a completely different way in the comic that was like so simple for the TV show and in a way so beautiful to watch at the same time because uh, as Pete said I think one of the things that's more uh, rewarding from this adaptation experience is that they really cared a lot about the visuals of the show and they have this astonishingly beautiful photography throughout the entire series. Also, they yeah. have this incredibly amazing, like, very, like, uh, filled with life score that it makes company through the development of the plot. And then you get like, the entire cast and crew that did an incredible job. It was like at a time seeing things that you can certainly uh, notice as, as references, as direct references to certain panels from the comic was great to see on screen. Yeah. But every time that they diverged from that was so beautifully done and so carefully done as well, that it was like, equally thrilling.
2: Uh, visually. Is it hard to now, now that you've seen the show, and you have your the characters that you uh, drew. Um, is it do they yeah. blend together a little bit? Is it hard to not see the actors uh, as you're thinking about the characters going forward?
3: Uh, no, no, because in a way, I, I sort of I, I have like a very healthy separation of, of each of them. Because, uh, for example, one of the things that we talked about when we were talking with the creators of the show on set was the fact that they developed the way in which they developed the characters in the scripts of the series was adapted according to what they saw on camera that the actors could give. So mm. the TV show Ni- uh, Nina Locke is done in the way to exploit Darby Stanfield's skills as an actress, the same way right. in which Tyler and Kinsey and Bodie and developed in the way that Connor and Emilia and Jackson can portray the characters as well. And this and that's so smartly exploited throughout the show because basically they were focused on giving the actor room to get to get their very best throughout the characters in the story and also it, it, to find a way to exploit the amazing chemistry that they have with each other. That I think that's their thing and that's something that they own in such their own right that I, I think it doesn't uh, creates like any conflict with the way in which I saw. The characters in my mind, because uh, I, I'm very aware that I, I, I sort of think that my Tyler is uh, like the cousin of, uh, of Connor's <laughs> Tyler. Oh, that's the, really the funny. It's like mm. it's like a, having a multiverse of lock and key coming to <laughs> life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Nice.
3: It's like Earth fifty two lock and key next to Earth one lock <laughs> and key. It's, uh, and it's well, really fun she... and it's, uh, Oh,
1: I was just going yeah, to say to that. that. To that end, uh, we had uh, Chris Thryle on the podcast. He, of course, was saying that you had a conversation at one point where you're like, we're going to be the only people to do lock and key. And that you've even tried other people doing covers occasionally. And in his opinion, it doesn't work as well as having you do the art. Let's say Netflix was like, hey, since it is kind of this lock and key multiverse, we want to do Netflix cast lock and key one shot. (laughs) what <laughs> how would you feel about that would you be like well i still got to illustrate that no give that to somebody else well, where where would that go in this hypothetical scenario
3: wow. oh well i'm wow I, i'm very open to to like a, a creative uh, ex, exploitation of good ideas and i'm not like selfish in terms of say like this is my thing and no one should do anything Unless I approved it. I think that's a very stupid and nonsensical. Life's too short. Uh, one of the things that I realized when I turned 40 was that I'm not going to be able to draw all the comics books that I want to draw in my life. So I have to be, like, very responsible and smart if I have the chance to pick, like, the right projects to do. Because that's all I'm going to leave behind when I'm gone. Wow. So From that perspective, when someone is interested in doing something new out of an idea that you have, and they have a different vision that could be something new to bring to the world and to share with other people, especially when we need, like, distraction and inspiration and and sources of new, like, encouraging and inspiring ideas, to be close to that is, like, stupid because here is a group <laughs> of talented people that's able to do stuff that i won't be able to do in my life why not let them do that and let people decide what they like the most or, or everything and so i think it's every time that like you open a creative window you have to exploit it you have to give room to creative talented people to do as much as they can because a we need that stuff to make like a better world for everyone and b each of us won't be able ever to do as much as we want to do because, sorry, we're limited. We're not going to be here forever, and we need to do like the best we can with the things that we get at hand, and that's it. So, uh, sorry, you could gotta, you say
2: that? Could you say that again? I want to get that tattooed on my torso. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. <laughs> man, I need to hear that shit I, I hope more this often. Is
3: recorded properly, then.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I
1: couldn't tell what was going on with Pete. Actually, I was watching your face for part of that. Well, I just like, uh,
0: he. I was just really impressed by that because, like, here's oh, something okay. that he works so hard on, but he's going to just like, let somebody else artistically. While he was saying it, I was just shaking my head, like, oh man, what an answer. What a nice person. Oh, He okay. wanted to be well, like, it's, it's, suck it, you try to get okay. him with like a gotcha <laughs> question. Oh, okay. I was like, <laughs> yeah, so
1: I got to say, I correctly interpreted all of those emotions going on. Yeah.
3: <laughs> No, ah. the thing is that I I've read comments online of several people saying like, "Oh, I'm not happy with Lock and Key because this is not exactly like the comic that I love." And right. and and what I think when I see this reaction is, why you want to have the same story twice? Yeah, to have right. this amount of talented people wasting their time doing again something that's already done—it's a waste. You need sure. creative yeah. people to be doing. New things, but, new aims, new exploration, new perspective, because something new can come out of this that could be the inspiration for someone else to think their own stories, their own movies, their own books, et cetera.
0: Well, you to. Need to
3: feed some, nor
0: yeah, I, I agree with you, but somebody, I was almost that guy because yeah. uh, <laughs> I loved the original material so much i was so moved so enthralled i felt so close to it that if you would mess with that i cut you you know like (laughs) but he's i think i think
2: gabe's point is that he's not no one's messing with it you have it i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna come in i'm gonna gonna come and steal your copies from you pete but that's just me
3: welcome readers and people that want to reread it again and also i'm committed with joe to do more lock and key stories because yeah. I knew that people want to read more. And we actually, luckily, we have more stories to tell. So I think our effort has, has to go in that way. And also another thing that everyone has to keep in mind, either in comic books or TV shows or whatever, or movies or music, sometimes you're going to try to do something new or an adaptation and you're going to fail. And that's part of the business as well. There's yeah. no guarantees that something that you're going to create for a story, for a movie, for a for a comic or anything is going to be always what you hoped it to be. And and in a way, one of the things that got me more like thankful about the entire lot experience is that it became way more successful and like appealing than we ever expected it to be. And and that's something that you can't plan it's yeah. something you eventually can aim to and hope for it to be, but you have zero control on that. And sometimes you, you can make like the best story ever, but if it doesn't like come up like in the proper time, could fail. And some uh, ask Van Gogh, he made like a miserable living, tried to be a painter. And now his paintings are like the most valuable in the history of arts in the world. And he was like, Unlucky for him in the wrong time, but lucky for us, he was able to do his work anyway. But then, when yeah. you have these lot of synchronicities in which the thing that you do, that you think is the best that you can possibly do, matches the time in which it finds its right audience, it's it's a it's a gift, and you have to be very responsible and, and thankful for that. All right,
0: well, Ryan, I just- you got. Oh, okay. go ahead, Pete. I was just going to say, you know, Salvin didn't get you, but I, I want to try here. All right, so you're watching it with your son. Oh, you okay, doing? It's you yeah. and your son. You're watching your show. I mean, how did you not just kind of elbow him a little bit and be like, see that? I made that. That was my idea." See that? You see that? Yep, that was me. I was in there. The
3: other thing I try to be, like, very smart about is that I, I don't own this show. I'm very thankful that an amazing team of people inspired in my work did this incredible TV show... Uh,
0: Inspired by your work. You started
3: it. It couldn't have happened without you. But I would never dare to take credit about their incredible work. It's like, if the show works, it's because all the talent involved in making this gave them very best. They were really in love with the characters and the mythology, and they found a way to translate that to a new medium. And this is entirely their success. I'm very happy for it and I'm incredibly humbled that my work had the chance to inspire something like this. And uh, and I'm incredibly even more surprised that their work was so good that even my appearance of that at the very end didn't ruin it. So yeah. uh, that says a lot about the craft of these guys.
2: Uh, Pete, right, I, love, I, I love that you thought that that was a gotcha question when it was a compliment. I
0: wanted him to admit a little bit that maybe he bragged to his son at least. I mean, if you're going to brag to somebody, you know. Yeah. But no, also, man, it can not really fun because uh, in a way,
3: I'm very lucky that my kids are like really into my work. They see me working on this like every day of the year. They know how slow, uh, the amount of effort that's behind creating every single comic book. So I already, it's very meaningful for me that when they see like they the collected books, they realize how much that means to have that completed. And then uh, seeing this and, and what I thing that makes me sort of like very proud and happy is see how like, cool for them it is to to say like to their friends oh you know my dad did this thing and this is my <laughs> my dad tv show and everything and uh, that was really fun and and the other thing is was like my my younger kids uh ha- didn't know that i was doing the, the cameo in this show so even though the older know no, but the the other two that have like 10 years old and four they didn't know, and and we were when we were seeing the series, and and we get to the, the finale. I, I called them to get into the and watch the scene, watch what's going on. And when when I showed up, they were like between like excited and really freaked out. That was yeah. a really fun. <laughs> Faces. It was like, yeah. why are you there?
1: <laughs> they're like, wow, it's Uncle Joe. Joe's there. <laughs> <Exactly>. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Thanks for but, showing us, Dad. Uh, yeah. I do want to read. Uh, there were uh, two quick comments uh, from over on yeah, YouTube. Sure. This one, one from Boy Racer UK. The show made some good choices for TV. I love the head key treatment. Uh, mm-hmm. And Aris910 says To get my girlfriend into comics, I told her about lock and key and how the artist is Chilean. She is too. She tried it for you, but stayed for the art and story. Now she's ahead of me in the series. Thanks, Gabe. Very <laughs> sweet comment. Oh, wow, that's, well, that's great. great. Yeah. Gotcha. Too over. good.
3: That's
1: uh, before we let you go, I did want to ask you, since you mentioned, of course, you are working on other lock and key stories, and this is something that was announced between the last time we talked to you, and now uh, you got a yeah. Sandman crossover story that's happening. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Can you believe
3: how irresponsible DC Comics is? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, reckless. <laughs> don't know what they're getting into. Uh,
1: so, I think there was something mentioned a while ago. <clears throat> about this, that it might be like Chamberlain Locke designing a key to hell and then taking like a very Dante journey through hell. Is that yes. still the plan? What can you say about that? What, what can you tell us about this I process? Have,
3: uh, since we we did a uh, part of the lock and Key mythology connected to the Shakespeare's The Tempest. Uh, yeah.
2: J.T. wanted Right. Uh, yeah. I'm the Shakespeare expert as the classical exactly. actor here. Exactly. <laughs> so Whenever the, it comes uh, up, Pete's trained to say my name.
3: You, you know, uh, yeah. I, I had this idea of have a, a a way to tackle the concept of the Divine Comedy in the in the comic. So cool. And I think we joked about this with Joe when we were in uh, in Pittsburgh for the shooting of the Fox pilot. When we fleshed out <laughs> uh, the ending of the comic. And I think that's like the first time, like we sort of traded ideas of, of doing something like that. And then a couple of years after uh, we, we discussed the idea of having this, this trip to, to hell for, for one of the luck, but. How fun would it be to be able to do it in the Sandman Hell because it yeah. it has a story with a key and it has like a very interesting setup and you get into this very interesting take on 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 Lucifer and also the idea in the way in which we wanted to tackle guilt in the story that we were crafting for Lock and Key so we're starting like pitching that idea between us and eventually knowing that that it was always the chance to do that same story with our own version of hell if we get uh, we wouldn't get allowed to do it uh, with a uh, crossover with sandman but then we got the uh, approval from DC Vertigo to be able to use those character mm-hmm. and that universe as a frame to to do this crossover with love and Kids. Mm-hmm. and for both you and myself is incredibly meaningful because in our teenage years, uh, Sandman was one of the books that made us fell in love again with comics and realize uh, how much like creative ambition you could put behind making a, a comic book and how insane you can go with a story and be able to tell something that's very human and very touching and at, at, at the same time like creatively with an incredible span of freedom. So I think, in a way, it's it's our way to say thanks to Vertigo and to the works of Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore and Mike Dringberg and Sam Keith and so many other wonderful authors that created those comics, and the editors that were behind it. I think, in a way, I owe a lot of my comics career to the inspiration that I got from the books that were edited by Karen Berger in the '90s. So in a way. Me, at least it's a way to say thank to her for for bringing my interest back into comics with this kind of stories and this kind of approach. So it's great that the news is finally out and that I am able to to discuss this with you guys because I, I was biting my tongue. So when yeah,
2: I, I think you were alluding to it a little bit when we talked yeah. before. It's so exciting, though, because Lock and Key feels like it's uh, sort of the cousin of a Vertigo. There's a Vertigo yeah, version of that, Lock and Key out there somewhere. And the other
3: thing is that Joe came out with a really smart approach to make this like blend of these two universes in a way that will make complete sense for the reader. So I think uh, we are playing with this in a way that it will not feel forced for any any of the elements involved. And, and that was something that uh, interested us a lot. We, we didn't want to make the Lock and Key Sandman crossover just for, for the sake of it or for funboying about it but because the way in which we want to craft the story makes sense in itself. And, and that's what gets us like, very excited for this. So also pay attention to the upcoming lock and Key comic books, which are going mm-hmm. to be like the prequel to the crossover, which is going <laughs> to be a two-issue stories called Impale Battalions Go, that's going to be around the Chamberlain Lock family, and for the avid reader, there's going to be hints here and there about what's to come in the crossover after. So get wow. ready. The wrap-up of the Golden Age story of Luck and Key is going to be as kick as we could try to make it. So <sighs> fingers crossed that it's going to work in the way we want, but we're aiming there, and I think we're getting there. So...
0: So That's cool. amazing. I mean, uh, I love the fact that we got the comic, then we got the show, and then we get to go yeah. right back to the comic for more stuff. This is really well timed. This is very <laughs> exciting <laughs> time to be a and <laughs> Key fan. Yeah, somebody must be paying attention to that. Uh, <laughs> weird.
1: It's What's very am
2: no, really,
3: really glad that you guys are excited.
2: Yes, yeah. Really I
3: then. Attention to after we finish the crossover, and when we get back to, for World War Key. I'm really, I'm really committed to find a way in which there's a key that's going to appear later that I think may, may open the door for the return of pete lapage and jock Steen tyler in the comic <laughs> wow. okay
1: oh, there great. we go <laughs> definitely <knows>? bend <laughs> the arc of the story as much as possible to get to that truly uh, that's, okay. what yeah. we, we <laughs> that's what the people want
0: that's what the people
3: want we still need to kill dr Salvin, and to do so <laughs> yeah! better characters to do that than Pete LaPage and
1: <laughs> so, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this is great I'm very excited uh, about this uh, I well, appreciate no about if I have that. to
3: do a single page about that myself I'm going to do it even, even if we publish it online or, 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 or yes. whatever
2: Amazing.
3: We, we'll find a way to make it work
2: the dastardly well, death of Dr. Dalton <laughs> <laughs> really I, yeah. I did to it I suppose yeah.
3: you,
1: you sold one copy well, right there.
3: And the <laughs> thing is, in the Lock and Key Sandman crossover, we're going to figure out that dead characters still hang on in the Lock and Key universe. So, mm. who knows?
2: Yeah.
0: No, you no. never there know. We'll see what happens.
3: Over there.
1: Maybe Matheson 666 can bring them back to life. We'll see what happens.
3: No, no. let <laughs> oh, Okay. All right. Sorry.
2: Yeah. Sorry. That's the,
3: this is the, we're thinking Emmys in this, in this. Exactly. <laughs>
2: and uh, eventually you're yeah. going to
1: EGOT. Right, you're gonna go for you got the ending <laughs> yeah. for the show.
3: to
1: yeah, release yeah. an album. I, I'm
3: going to take an on, online training with Justin to be able to, to be <laughs> at a, my yeah. acting level in the way that Matheson 66 demands. So this is End. going to be
2: yeah. As, As we talked about, change. I am a, I'm an EP on Matheson Six 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 because I wrote a, yes. a tweet about yes. it. So uh, I'll be there for the whole process. I wrote a tweet we
3: about it, like EP. So it's going to it's yeah. going to be great. Yeah.
2: Yeah, there have yeah, been well, EPs have been earned for the, much less the length. moment
3: in which Brian Cranston is going to make a cameo and
2: stuff like yes. that <laughs> uh, oh, Wow. Correct. talent negotiations it's like my whole thing uh,
1: before <laughs> we let be you go answer. other than lock and key stuff I, I know you're always working out a lot of different things is there anything else you want to plug that people should check out
3: uh, well stay tuned for the new announcements that's going to be about lock and key releases uh, that's going to be something interesting Uh be tuned next week for several lock and key news. Ooh, next data. week? Several. Next week, maybe, maybe. Okay, that's uh,
2: hypothetical. Uh, hypothetical. So.
3: Uh, the other thing is uh, uh, for people that are uh, going to, looking for things to learn what we are all in lockdowns because of the sanitary environment that we're uh, merged in, I Indeed. did uh, an online uh, online lessons for a website uh, that's called uh, uh-huh. Domestica with a K. It's a Spanish uh, site in which you can learn like different arts and crafts uh, by self-teaching with video lessons. And I did oh. one about like uh, learning how to create a comic book from the concept then to the development of the script and then to the finished uh, pencil page. So anyone that wants to check that could just uh, search by Domestica and Gabriel Rodriguez and they're going to find the online course. And uh, everything else, I'm uh, available for questions and company on Twitter at gear underline comics and in my Instagram as well. Uh, and always, uh, sometimes like photo bombing in the lock and key podcast from the comic
2: book club. So, yeah, wow, yeah, there we go. I saw yeah. you're also doing some covers for uh, Joe's, uh, or well, a cover for Joe's basket full of heads. Yes, I coming did, out, uh, but-
3: uh, cover For the last issue of Basketball of Hess that, that got announced. I'm not sure when the release is, but already Destination published uh, that. And also, I just uh, did, uh, I got invited by the uh, editorial team of the Batman Superman comic book. Yes,
2: mm. cover that I just
3: finished. I hinted a few details of it. I can't yeah. spoil the entire cover yet. And that's going to be announced soon for which issue that's going to be. So, expect uh, news on awesome. that as well, the fans of superheroes. It was incredibly fun to do that Batman Superman cover. Okay. And there are plans in the work that I hope to be able to share soon and can't say anything yet. But so far, uh, be ready for more Lock and Key because I got news from Joe that very, very soon I'm going to have the script for Impale Battalion's one, and then we're going to jump headfirst to the Lock and Key Sandman crossover. So uh, expect more Lock and Key uh, for this year. We're working hard to have it for you as soon as possible. Please have patience and mercy <laughs> on the artist, who is <laughs> a decaying old man and is trying his best oh, oh. to be as on time as possible. But you know, I keep a uh, teasing and, and joking with Joe about how he find ways to write each time a more impossible to draw script in <laughs> uh, each yeah. story. Oh, so I'm already warned about the tasks that I'm going to uh, to face in the oh, next man. few issues, but I'll try my best to be not as delayed as in other times. But Anytime I'll be posting stuff online to let people and my editors know that I'm working all the time. <laughs> right.
2: You gotta prove it constantly. Be paying attention yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh Gabe, thank you so much for coming on. Congratulations with all the enormous thank success you of the, for the so
3: series. For inviting me to do this. It's incredibly fun to have the chance to share with this uh thoughtful insight with such qualified people that <laughs> nah. about all the nonsense that I say. So thank you very much. You're and the I'm best. That both the Lock and Key books and now the Lock and Key series have the pitlet page seal of approval. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after, this is way tougher than any comics code authority. That uh, true. That That's true.
1: That's right. true.
0: Man,
2: if we please you are man we really did a great job you did it (laughs) you threaded the needle you're
0: killing it a couple of quick
1: things to plug on our end before we wrap up here uh if you want to check out more podcasts from us comicbookclublive.com also normally we do a live show every tuesday night at 7 p.m however that is now currently online we are still doing it tuesday 7 p.m streamed to crowdcast and also streamed to youtube uh, so you can check it out either place. Obviously we have the podcast as well for lock and key socially. You can check us out at lock and key pod on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe to the show and listen. And on iTunes in particular, uh, please leave us a comment. Those help us out a lot. And uh, Hey, Thanks for locking it up, Gabe. We pr- I the out out right? pressure sorry. Sticks, wow. sorry,
2: wow, sorry. That does not get the P. Page seal of approval. <laughs> nope. <laughs>